This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello, everyone. Welcome into Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast. I'm Tyler Mooney alongside Chris Hennessy and Mike Messina. We are coming to you a day after the NHL free agency frenzy. We kind of got robbed of it last year, guys, due to COVID. There was question marks with the salary cap. But this year was definitely back to, you know, the normal teams going out there and spending money. In terms of the local teams, the Rangers and Islanders didn't do much. But the Devils debatably getting the number one target on the free agency free agency market. We'll start with the Rangers, who didn't make that many moves. The Barkley Goodrow signing had already been broken six years, $3.6 million. They signed a few other guys, Patrick Nemeth, Jared Tenorti. But the big move for the Rangers this weekend was trading forward Pavel Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues. In return, they got forward Sammy Blay in a 2022 second rounder. I don't know about you guys. I was a little underwhelmed with this return. I'll start with you, Mike, as the fellow Rangers fan on this podcast. What did you think of this Buchnevich trade? I felt that that it was definitely a little undervalued and I was expecting more to get back with him, but it was just so inevitable that, that he was going to be traded. And it was just more of when is it going to happen rather than, is it going to happen? I mean, like, like it was, it was way too much money for the Rangers to be spending and they had to get rid of him. And he even acknowledged that. And, and he, he even said himself that he's just happy it's over with and, and he knows where he's going to be living and playing for the next four years. So I'm happy for him, but I wish the return was larger. I feel like we could have got either another pick or another player of Bly's caliber, but I'm not overly mad about it. I, I mean, that gives us so much more room to sign other players and possibly still obviously in the Jack Hughes running, even though that has slowed down, but I'm excited to see what that can get us. But man, I loved him. He, he was a gritty player and he always brought it, brought his all to the team and whenever he was on the ice, but, but I was definitely expecting more in the return for for Buchnevich, who, yeah, Buch who will be was like going to be a captain so yeah Booch will be a loss for sure and I did think it was inevitable and I kind of tweeted that like I didn't think that they could afford him but he signed less of a contract in St. Louis than I was than I thought he was going to and I think that if the Rangers had put that down in front of him that's more valuable than Goudreau plus Nemeth which is essentially what it was I, I did I thought it was an overpay on Goudreau Jared Tenori, Tenori has fought Tom Wilson in the past. That's literally the reason that they signed him. See, I don't think three and a half. I don't think three and a half is that much for for Goudreau. I, I, I kind of like years, that. Though, that's the thing. Like six, in a flat cap environment, a theoretically should be like I think that in case Zeke is finally signed, it's going to be a five or six year deal with a lesser cap hit that's paying him seventeen million over five years, whatever it is, instead of eighteen million over three, whatever. It's he's not a six million dollar player, but you get my point like the same amount of money, but just a longer term to stretch out that cap hit with the flat cap. I thought it was a little bit of an overpay for Goodrow. I think Buchnevich is just simply more valuable. Uh, they added a couple fourth liners. They added a couple of guys who will drop the gloves. That's what Chris Drury said he was going to do. Um, so my response to people who are uh, crushing Chris Drury is this is literally what he told you he was going to do. And that cost Pavel Buchnevich. I did think the return could have been better, um, but the direction is certainly a, a big question mark. Like Dryden Hunt, a guy that loves to hit people. I mean, that, that's exactly, like you just said, that's exactly what Jerry said he was going to do. Um, Tenorti, 6'6", 205. I mean, there we go right there. So, so he's doing exactly what he said. And I love the, the 
go get attitude for it, for the aggressive guys and for the guys who love to hit and, and like be physical. So it, the Rangers need more of that, obviously. So I'm happy to see some of these guys, some of these guys getting signed and jury kind of taking charge of it. Yeah, I agree with that. I will miss Booch a lot. You know, we got all these young guys that are coming up now and will hopefully develop into, into these star players. But Booch was one of these few players on the Rangers, you know, you can name Kreider too, that we really saw him progress from when he was a rookie five or six years ago to the player he is now. And he's just become such a likable player for the Rangers. And I think that the fan base especially is really going to miss him because he was just, he was such a content machine too. the things he'd be doing at practice during the games, the joke that he's, you know, always looking like he's crying when he's scoring goals. I think he, he was definitely one of the fan favorites on the Rangers and, and he will be missed. But like you said, Mike, I, I liked the moves. And besides the Goodrow move, which I agree with Chris, I think it was a little too long-term. None of the other moves are really that consequential in terms of cap space or anything like that. So Good day overall, I'd say, for the Rangers. As for the Islanders, they literally did absolutely nothing. They had no contracts signed at all throughout the entire day. Casey Cizigas, as you just said, still unsigned. Kyle Pomeri still unsigned, although it seems like he might be coming back to the Islanders. Zach Parise also seems like he's coming to the Islanders, but he remains unsigned. I'll go to you, Chris, as the Islanders fan. What did you take from this you know, complete silence from the Islanders yesterday? Yeah, I mean, we're 24 hours and 10 minutes in to the free agency period. And it's just nerve-wracking because it's like, well, wait a second. Why why hasn't Kyle Palmieri signed another con- like signed the contract? Like, at some point, either you're getting him or you're not. And I think part of it is, you know, that they are going to come back. Palmieri and Sezikis and Parise will be here. Otherwise, they'd be gone. Um, but it, it's just confusing to me because I, I think – I don't know. I saw like a joke on Twitter, like did the social media person fall asleep? Cause we know that Lou doesn't release anything until it's done. So maybe the social media person just fell asleep and they forgot to tweet it out and we'll see it in a little bit, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, why you wouldn't just do it yesterday and get it over with and move your, move your eyes towards the RFAs because that's a huge concern as well with Sorokin, Bavillier and Pelic. Um, and now we're into day two and it, they basically don't have a forward core. They have th- th- three forwards from last year unsigned. They need to replace Jordan Eberle, which theoretically they're going to do with Parise. But right now, they don't have those players. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe a team like New Jersey or somebody out West just swoops in and grabs Kyle Palmieri. Like, what's preventing a team like, I don't know, just pick a random team, doesn't even really matter, L.A., jumping in and being like, hey, Kyle Palmieri, we'll give you an extra year and an extra million than what Lou just offered you. Great, see you, bye. Like if you're like if they're gonna come back, which Elliot Freeman reported at like twelve fifteen yesterday, then just come back. It it's concerning at this point. Uh, so I, I hope that I'm wrong and that they're just gonna sign within the next couple of days. But um, I don't know. I don't know. I everybody's saying Tarasenko. I, I want to stay away from that. I, I do. I agree, but I don't think that it's that big of an issue that they didn't do it day one. Yes, like you said, uh, eyes could be going to the restricted free agents at this point. Cause obviously Sorokin and Bovillier are huge guys that they want to get back. But in my opinion, I, I, I think it's only been a day and they can still be like kind of assessing the entire situation and how, how, how long-term they want to be and how much they want to give them per year. Oh, and overall. So I don't really mind that they haven't been signed yet, but it feels kind of inevitable to me that at least Palmieri 
and Parise are going to be on the Islanders. I'm not 100% sold that they'll, that they'll get Sezikis as well, but uh, I'm pretty sure that Palmieri's leaning towards the Islanders, at least what I'm reading on Twitter and whatnot. And I think that's huge. I mean, he said that he wants to be an Islander, so, so I hope they can get it done, but I don't really hate that, that it wasn't done right in the spotlight. There was so much done over the last couple days, and especially yesterday, that it honestly could have kind of got lost if it did happen. I, I want something to happen that it's like the only thing that happened for that day and that those couple hours where everyone can just talk about that one trade. You guys like, I don't know. I, I feel like when there's so much going on, at least for me, I just get lost and I sometimes I don't even see trade. So I don't mind that didn't happen within the first couple hours of the day, but I feel like it's an inevitable that, that both those guys are going to be back on the Islanders. That's fine. But I think you lost out on every left-hand defenseman now that yeah. you needed to replace bloody. Yep, you do have the a only point. one left is Ryan Murray, who I'm not totally sold on. You lost on Goligoski, Edler, Alexiak was long gone. Feels like – and Suter. Feels like you lost on every left-handed defenseman because you couldn't sign Kyle Palmer. Yeah, you have a point there. And there's really no reason why why they, I guess, couldn't have got it done, at least that we know that, – that I know of or we know of. But I feel like it's going to be coming down here shortly, and I feel like Kyle Palmer is going to, going to be happy with the contract, and he's probably going to be getting paid, so – yeah, I agree. That seems pretty inevitable. Uh, Islanders look like they'll probably be running it back with a pretty similar team last year or that, that they had last year. I know some Islanders fans were upset they didn't get, you know, like a Landeskog, but I saw some other Islanders fans saying, hey, you know, this team was one win away from the cup final last year and two wins away the year before. They don't need, you know, necessarily this big, massive change. Running it back with the same team might might end up working out. So we'll see what happens with the Islanders. But out of the three tri-state area teams – the New Jersey Devils were the team that made the biggest splash. They signed defenseman Dougie Hamilton to a seven-year, $63 million contract that comes out to around $9 million annually. He had 42 points in 55 games last year. I think he cemented himself as one of the best offensive defensemen in the league, but he's also just a really good overall well-rounded defenseman. People say he's easy to play with, and I think this is the number one defenseman that the Devils absolutely need. If you look at the Devils' decor, Mike, they're looking pretty good this year. They first added Ryan Graves and now Dougie Hamilton. I think this team could be a sleeper in the Metro. Yeah. I mean, obviously Hamilton got a huge contract, which is well-deserved. Like you said, um, probably one of the best overall defensemen in the league right now. And he helps the devil struggle in power play. I mean, he, he he's going to be a tremendous addition for that. Um, he's probably the best defenseman on the jerseys uh, on, on the jerseys uh, on the New Jersey devils for what? Well, I don't know, at least 10 years now. Back, back back to from what I can remember. So so that's huge for them. And I kinda you said you said you feel they're a sleeper. Is that what you said? I could see them being a sleeper. That defense could be good. I don't know about this year, man. That that's that that's kind of <laughs> tough right now. It, I mean, it is not a great division, but I think there's many other teams that are better than them. Probably every other team besides the Sabres. And I I think they're right above them still, but it obviously huge addition and he's gonna do so much for the devils back there too, for the defense. Yeah. I don't know if they're a sleeper yet, but I think it's a great start because next year you're going to clear $9 million with PK Subban. So they're going to add more cap space next year, be able to go after a big guy again next year. So I think it's, I think it's really interesting how the devils are, are just trying to add some really big free agent pieces as they build with these younger forwards. And I think Hamilton and Graves can be really, two solid pieces on that back line. They did have to trade Will Butcher to make it all work. Um, 
So that that's a little bit of an unfortunate loss. He did not quite live up to his Hobie Baker University of Denver season. So that is unfortunate, but uh, they get Dougie Hamilton. He got the best, the best free agent on the market went to New Jersey. So, I mean, when's the last time we said that? <laughs> it's been a while. A while. Yeah. I, I didn't, we, I mean, we talked about extensively where Dougie Hamilton may end up. And I don't think any of us, maybe somebody brought up New Jersey. I feel like I, I, didn't, that, I thought for I, sure he was going to Philly. Yeah, that was not. Jersey was I'm never probably, I think I'm mind. convincing Jersey with Philly, but yeah, that was completely out of the blue. And then all of a sudden, a few hours before, you had some reports coming out. New Jersey's going to throw, quote unquote, the bag at Dougie Hamilton, and they sure did. And that, that's a great pickup for New Jersey. You mentioned that they traded Will Butcher to Buffalo. They got a fifth round pick in return. He was just pretty much the odd man out in the scenario once they signed Graves and signed Hamilton. So. Big move for the Devils, and we'll move on a bit to some some broader NHL free agency trends. And we mentioned Dougie Hamilton and Seth Jones as the two big targets. Seth Jones wasn't a free agent, but he did end up with one of the teams we lined up, and that was the Chicago Blackhawks. They acquired in the, pretty much the biggest trade that we've seen maybe this year in the NHL. The Hawks acquired Seth Jones, the 32nd overall pick from last week's draft, and a 2022 sixth-round pick for Adam Boquist, a 12th overall pick, the 2022 first round pick, and a 2021 second round pick. So quite the blockbuster trade. They then signed Seth Jones immediately to an eight-year extension worth $9.5 million per year, even more than Dougie Hamilton. Um, I'll be honest. I don't really know what Chicago is doing with this. They already have Kane and Taves with massive cap hits. Granted, those are coming off in a year or two, but this was a team that missed the playoffs by nine points last year they weren't exactly in the playoff race and they just gave up their best defense prospect to Bailey one of their best prospects plus two first round picks for a guy who I mean he's good I think he's a little overrated but is he really gonna you know push the needle that much where this team is gonna suddenly make the playoffs after missing by nine points no no he's not because he's not uh, a forward and like yeah their defense was bad very bad, but they need secondary scoring to go along with Alex DeBrinkett and Jonathan Taze. We don't know what he's going to be because he was hurt last year. So no, he's not the difference. He's not the best defenseman in the league, which he's getting paid like he is. I mean, we just, I just did this with Drew Doughty like five minutes ago in LA. He's on a giant contract after a down year and, and Oliver Ekman Larson too. We'll talk about in a little bit. Signed a big contract after Kind of a down year, but hey, he's done really well for us in the past, and it's a disaster. This is this has got they might as well just like trade their 2025 first round pick to Arizona now because that's what it's going to take to get out of this contract. And obviously, it's going to Arizona because that they take everybody's <laughs> contract. This is a disastrous contract. Seth Jones is a is a fine hockey player, fine hockey player. He is not a nine and a half million dollar defenseman in any any way, shape, or form. And I also don't understand trading multiple first-round picks for a guy who was going to be a UFA and clearly wanted to play for your team next year. You're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. They clearly think they are. But I, this is, I am, I, it's been since Friday and today is, what, Thursday? So it's been six days. I, I can't get over this one. I, I haven't wrapped my head around it. That is a outrageous contract. Just outrageous for – like Seth Jones is good. We, we all know that. And I can't put it any better than you, than you said, Chris, he's not nine and a half million a year. Good. I mean, now that they, they what, what they're doing 
is just dishing out money and money and prospects. And they're obviously in win now mentality. They got flurry, which was obviously a blockbuster stab in the back. I'll say to, to flurry again. And his agent, Alan Walsh made that very clear on Twitter, but I don't know what the Blackhawks are doing right now. Just giving away everything they have. I mean, They've improved significantly, and I'll give them that, but they're not a Stanley Cup contender at the moment, in my opinion. And can they get there in a couple of years? Sure, absolutely. But they're not going to have any money to get anybody else if they keep doing what they're doing. But I don't know. They're exciting. It's exciting to see that they're making the moves. It's just going to be interesting to see what they do with them and how it and how much wiggle room it kind of gives them going forward to get more guys and, I guess, get rid of some cap space as well. Yeah, I mean, speaking of wiggle room, according to Cap Friendly, the Blackhawks have literally $0 in cap space. So you mentioned the depth scoring, Chris, which they need, but they, as of right now, do not have the space to add it. So I don't know what you're going to trade to get those assets back. They did trade for Marc-Andre Fleury, as you said. They got him for practically nothing, the reigning Vesna winner, but we'll see if he even ends up playing for Chicago. It doesn't seem like he wants to play for Chicago. He was pissed off that he got traded from Vegas, and – Maybe Chicago is able to in turn flip him to somewhere that he does want to play. I don't know what the likelihood of that is, but they also signed Jake McCabe from Buffalo. He's a pretty good defenseman. So we've seen them beefing up the back end, but you guys both mentioned that Yeah. The scoring is not there for Chicago and they, as of right now have no cap space with what to work with. So it's going to be they, very interesting. Go ahead. They also traded for Tyler Johnson. Yep. So that's Tyler $5 million Johnson, for yeah, a guy yeah. who hasn't scored 20 goals since 2015. Yes. So, so it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Like there are, the there are people who will go to like Chicago is obviously the key rating is plummeting with Chicago right now. And we can, we've talked about uh, their situation at length in the public eye and on the ice too. They haven't been great. Um, the, I, I don't think they actually got better and they spent quick math, 21 and a half million dollars to do it by trading for flurry and Johnson and signing Jones paid a first round pick and 21 and a half million dollars to get three guys who were fine. I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost. Yeah. I'm lost. I think they did improve a little bit, but I don't think they improved enough where there'll be a playoff team, much less a team that's going to contend for a cup. And I don't even, mean, I don't even think Jake McCabe should have got $4 million. I think, yeah, yeah, I, I, I think they think that's, that's a couple million over four years too. too. They gave him four years too. That's not exactly the shortest of contracts. I mean, that could end up, not being great two years in and so we'll see what Chicago does there was this I don't know if you guys follow Jay Fresh on Twitter he's a great hockey account everyone should follow him he puts up a model basically based on war on on where the teams will be in the standings next year and he put one up for after the first day of free agency and he still has the Blackhawks five points out of the playoffs so they didn't even make up half of the distance that they missed it last year so I don't know I think we're all on the same page here with kind of confusion in the direction the Blackhawks are going. Speaking of Vesna winning goalies that were traded, we had another Vesna nominee goalie switch teams. That was Philip Grubauer. He signed with the Kraken for six years, $5.9 million. I think it's pretty clear that the Kraken are trying to build from the defense out. When we talked about the expansion draft, we said this team has really no forward depth. They did sign Jaden Schwartz, but that's just one player. But their defense was uh, – it could be a very good defense. They have Mark Giordano, Vince Dunn, Hayden Flurry. They had a bunch of guys. And now adding a goalie of the capability of Grubauer, 
this team, although they might not be able to score at all, Chris, they might be very hard to score on. Yeah, they're trying to be Islanders West. <laughs> I'm perplexed by Seattle because we talked about their no side deals and how I thought, and you guys agreed, they butchered the expansion draft, like absolutely butchered every single pick. Like, how do you not take Max Domi and not get a draft pick for it? It doesn't make any sense. They traded Vitek Vanacek, who they took in the expansion draft, back to Washington. Yes, this was got a, second, got a second round pick for it. What they could have done is they could have said to Washington, hey, we want to take Vitek Vanacek, or we could not take somebody off the bottom of the roster and you give us a pick. Washington pro- clearly would have done that because they're willing to part with a pick for Vitek Vanacek. And Seattle would have an extra player. Now they're one player, they're a player short from Washington. They just don't have a, I, I don't understand how they went about this. It doesn't make any sense to me. The Grubauer signing is fine. I think the Jaden Schwartz signing is better because it filled a need. I didn't think they had a need in goal, but Grubauer is better than Dreger. So they, they have the opportunity to, to shock the world a little bit because, you know, anything can happen with a hot goalie. So I think it's fine, um, but I, I still am maybe even more confused now as to how they handled uh, last week because uh, that – expansion draft still just makes no sense to me another quick thing on that expansion draft they traded Vitek Vanacek for one second round pick I saw someone saying they could have easily taken Brendan Dillon from the Caps who was also exposed who just got traded for two second round picks the other day so just another thing this came at the perfect time for Grubauer too I mean coming off the best pretty much the best season of his career uh, I I would say Um, second in wins and goals against eighth and save percentage led the leads in shutouts with seven. I mean, I don't really know what, what Colorado's doing. Obviously, it, it I don't took, hate the, I don't hate the Kemper trade. It, neither do I, but it took so long to get Landis Gog and McCarr back, which were obviously going to happen. And pretty sure we'll be talking about it in a little bit, but took a while for that to happen. And then they kind of just let Grubauer walk in. And I feel like that's someone they definitely could have, could have, paid and kept a net for them and they obviously need him they he has been phenomenal for them down the stretch and i'm just not really sure why why they did, they weren't willing to give him that money i'm not sure if it was a cap thing or what but i'm just not sold on the fact that that they didn't want Gubauer between the posts for them yeah you mentioned that we can just touch on it really quickly gabriel landeskog resigns with the avalanche eight years seven million it seemed like he was maybe going to leave. So that was good to see the Avalanche get that done. And then Kel McCarr resigned a contract extension, I should say, six years for $9 million. So that was always going to happen. There was no way they were going to let McCarr go. They both the deserve that, that money. Six years, McCarr is going to get paid another massive contract just like that in another six years. So this guy's going to make like $150 million or more over his career, which is just absurd to think about. Uh, moving on, you know, Going back to the Metro, the Philadelphia Flyers have had a very active offseason. We talked about the Ryan Ellis trade. They then traded for another defenseman, Rasmus Ristolainen from Buffalo. They gave up the 14th overall pick, which turned into Isaac Rosens, who the Sabres drafted, plus a 2023 second rounder and Robert Hag. Rasmus Ristolainen, in my opinion, is just not a good defenseman. I think many Sabres fans and just NHL fans who have watched him as a whole would say this. He doesn't really look that good on the ice, in my opinion. And the analytics community absolutely hates him. They think he's like the worst defenseman ever. I don't know. I would go that far, but he, he I don't think he's that good. So 
I was just mostly shocked, guys, that the Flyers were able to give up less for Ryan Ellis than they were to give up for Rasmus Ristolainen. Yeah, that is surprising. Uh, I I think that giving up a first-round pick for Ristolainen was insane, to be perfectly honest with you. I, I would have rather them trade the two seconds for Brendan Dillon or a lot of other things, honestly. Clearly, they had priced themselves out of Seth Jones' range, which, given what we just said, was probably a good thing. Um, but the first-round pick for Ristolainen is patently insane. I, I do not – I've said I don't get it a million times in this episode. I'm sorry, but I'm talking about NHL general managers, so I think I can be forgiven. Because <laughs> a first-round pick for Ristolainen is is crazy. It's crazy. And I think maybe it has something to do with the Buffalo effect because Sam Reinhardt got a nice contract as well down in Florida. Um, and they think that being out of Buffalo helps. That's possible. Um, I think he's just not that good. I mean, he has 14 points. The last season, 14 assists and four goals. I mean, going back to, to years prior, I mean, 41 points, 45 points, 41 points, 43 points, and then 33 and now 18. I don't know what happened. I don't know if there's was a sneaky injury that no one knew about or, or just, he, he just, his performance decreased, but he's not very good right now. And to give up a first round pick for him now is just doesn't make sense. If it was a couple of years ago, first round and more, but I just don't see how, how the flyers gave up a first for him, but I do like the, some of the other moves they make. I mean, I love watching Cam Atkinson play. I think he's a great player and I, I think he's going to help Ben significantly. Um, Ryan Ellis as well. So I'm excited to see the flyers. I had him winning the Stanley cup, obviously this year, and that didn't go as planned, but we'll see. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be my, be, be my winner this year, but uh, we'll see. I'll take a look at it. <laughs> yeah that was a tough pick last very, year yeah, very tough pick. they flipped they flipped uh jake voracek longtime flyer for cam atkinson voracek provides a little more on offense i'd say but atkinson is certainly the more well-rounded of the two i don't think voracek's defense was all that at all whereas atkinson can definitely play on defense and he did score 41 goals two years ago so playing with claude Giroux, i'm not sure if that's who he'll end up playing with but playing with a guy that caliber you never know where he can get back to. So it was a pretty up and down week or so for the Flyers, I'd say. One move they make, I'm like, oh, my God, that, that, that's a great move for them. And then the next move is just absolutely horrendous. I'm only yeah. seeing every time I look on my look on my screen, it's just breaking Flyers acquired, Flyers traded. Fly, I'm like, All right, let's, let's get something else here. <laughs> I, I'm legally obligated to like Cam Atkinson as um, a fellow Connecticut resident, but I do like Cam Atkinson a lot. And I think he could be a nice, a nice change there and get a little penalty kill again. Uh, I think that they got cheaper and clearly they, they have a, they had a mission and they've, they've reached that for sure. They need a little bit of a change in there and they've, they've got change for sure. That is true. And I hate to start off with this again, but we have another trade coming up here, which I just, again, I didn't <laughs> understand this. There were a lot, there were a lot of moves that were, were head scratchers. And this one's the Oliver ekman Larson trade. This was another blockbuster. Oliver ekman Larson and Connor Garland, probably the two most valuable assets the Arizona Coyotes have. They're traded to the Vancouver Canucks for the ninth overall pick. Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and Antoine Roussel. Three players who just frankly aren't that good at hockey. This seemed like almost a cap dump for both sides. I didn't, I didn't really get this from Vancouver's perspective because 
there's been a lot made of these last few years of how terrible those contracts are of the three guys that I just mentioned and how Jim Benning's the worst GM ever. He signs these old overpaying veterans. All three of those guys just had one more deal left or one more year left on their deals. So at the end of this upcoming season, their hits would have been off the book. They would have been ushered out of Vancouver and, and the Canucks would have had all this new cap space. You now take on a guy who is making eight and almost eight and a half million dollars for the next six years. Arizona did retain 12% of the salary, but that's still a very hefty cap hit for again, another player who just is not worth this contract. I'm interested in what you guys think, but I mean, Garland's a great pickup for the Canucks. I think that'll be great top six scoring for them, but it just feels like Vancouver, when they finally were about to get themselves out of cap trouble, they found a way to almost put themselves back in the cap trouble. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I like the trade because Vancouver, I think, has the pieces to kind of make a run, and they needed to just kind of revamp a little bit. And I think Oliver Ackman Larson will help them do that. But in the sense of clearing out cap space to help pay Brock Besser next year, Bo Horvat two years from now, uh, who else we got on here? Uh, Quinn Hughes eventually. Oh, Quinn Hughes is an RFA right now. Um, they didn't do that. And now they have 14 million left and they have to do all of that over the next couple of years. So I, I yeah, t- to me, that doesn't make a ton of sense, but if they can make a little bit of a run here, maybe it helps. It's not a Stanley cup winning team though. It's not a Stanley cup winning move. Um, and they didn't really do that much else. They got Phil DiGiuseppe, Giuseppe. Uh, and that's about, Oh, Elias Pedersen also currently an RFA. So like, you needed to clear cap space to sign those guys. And you didn't, they did buy out Braden Holpe. So that cleared a little bit of space, but I don't know. I, I'm pretty down on this trade on both sides, Arizona, one of the most fascinating business models I've ever seen in my life. It's just like, <laughs> let's trade for every single They have the who's who of bad contracts in the 21st century between Andrew Ladd and Louis Eric. They just need like Milan Lucic and they'll have everybody. And maybe they'll sign James Neal. I like, Arizona's business model is fantastic. They have like five second round picks next year. They're going to be so bad. It's going to be hysterical, but um, yeah, on Vancouver side, I don't know. I, I think that they needed to clear more cap space than they did. If, if all of that happens, right. And they, in the package is a little bit less going back to Arizona and they just get Garland. I think I'm all over it, but the Ekman Larson contract is so bad. Yeah, absolutely hate that. He's already 30 years old with six years left. I mean, he's not, a top player anymore in my opinion, but I love the Garland side of it. Definitely. Definitely like that trade, but Vancouver just didn't do what they needed to do. Like, like you guys both touched on already. They cleared no cap space. So that's not going to help them going forward in the future, this season, next season or seasons to come just for, for an average player right now, I would say, I mean, just an outrageous contract that he had in the first place. And the 12%, I don't even know what that, what that comes down to. What, what they retain, but it's just not enough. I mean, I mean, Vancouver is not a Stanley cup winning team right now. And, and to be willing to take on that contract is something else. And it, it it's crazy. It, I just don't, I don't know how the general manager is, thinks it's a good idea and, and wants to pay this guy that much money for a guy of his caliber when he could go out and resign the restricted free agents on the team or go out and get somebody better. But I don't know. It, it, it's, outrageous to see him getting paid this much and it's outrageous to see the Canucks willingly take up this contract yeah they got 14 million in cap space just Pedersen and Hughes alone I mean that 
that could be tough for them to fit that in there. I feel That's like you could potentially you could see a team maybe offer sheet and Elias Pettersson. There's been rumblings of that going into this year. I know offer sheets are are not popular at all in the NHL because they rarely ever work. But don't you dare let those words out of your mouth. <laughs> but a team with like I mean, you should see Rangers Twitter, man. They have <laughs> Rangers Twitter. Rangers Twitter which, is so crazy. Rangers Twitter is the most toxic place ever. So toxic. They have completely switched from an Eichel trade to oh, maybe we should offer sheet for Pedersen. I'm just like, oh, my God. They switch every single day. There should be a new – there's a new superstar that's apparently coming to the Rangers. But anyway, yeah, th- this was a tough move for Vancouver. Again, I like the Garland move, but they're already, pay- they're already paying Tyler Myers $6 million for the next three years as well, who, again, that's another terrible contract. So, And they just had to buy out Holpe, as you said. Clearly, that wasn't a great contract. So I think Jim Benning's record – at in terms of, you know, these kinds of decisions is not the best, but hopefully it works out for Vancouver because they did make the second round a year or two ago during the bubble. So there are pieces there and you never know a new scenery, a change of scenery could be good for Ekman Larson playing in Arizona is definitely not the most inspiring place to play, especially the way that team has been the last couple of years. So hopefully that works out for the Coyotes or and for the, and for the Canucks. And by the way, before we move on, that $14 million is after trading away Nate Schmidt. So they're already down a defenseman and still need to clear more space before signing those two guys. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be tough for them to do. Um, so we'll finish up here with a little NHL draft talk. We had Owen Power go first overall to the Buffalo Sabres. There was a little debate over whether that would happen. It did. We had Luke Hughes go to the Devils. Reunite, reunification of the Hughes brothers. That will be definitely something awesome to watch. But the big story of the night was the Canadians drafting Logan Mayu, 31st overall. If you don't know his story, he played in the Swedish Hockey League last year. He was on loan from the OHL. He was fined by the Swedish police for sharing a sexual photograph of a female partner without her consent. It was consensual sex. But, you know, this obviously he shared this picture around, which you can't do. He was fined by Swedish police. NHL teams were asking about this during the process. There was lots of, you know, headlines about it. So Logan Mayu decided to come out and say, I don't want to be drafted this year. I'd like to renounce my draft eligibility. You technically can't do that. So he was eligible to be drafted, but he made it perfectly clear that he wants to go back to the OHL. He wants to work on his character and, and really learn from this, from this episode. And he didn't want to be drafted. The Montreal Canadians proceeded to draft him anyway, 31st overall, much to the dismay of, you know, really people all across the hockey world and beyond up to the levels of Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister voiced his dismay at this draft pick Um, five days after the draft. So Mark Bergman did come out with a statement right after the draft, five days after the draft, Jeff Molson, the owner of the Canadians finally comes out with a statement coincidentally, right in the middle of free agency frenzy, maybe the most, the busiest news day of NHL calendar year, take that as you will. And he says he takes full responsibility. He, he repeated, you know, shame on me for doing this. And he said that Mayu would not be at training camp in the fall. So, I mean, to me, guys, this just seems like a really easy situation that you could have avoided. The guy asked not to be drafted. I'll go to you, Mike. Why would you draft him? Like, you, you don't. I mean, yeah. especially with – the like all the investigations still going on and him i i understand that you can't formally take yourself out of the draft but if a kid he's 18 right 
I think so, yeah. If an 18 or 19-year-old kid says he's not ready to be in the NHL, he doesn't want to get drafted, why are you wasting your time? I mean – Very good clearly, way of putting it. He clearly has character issues to work on, like he, like he stated himself. So just let him do that. Why would you want that, that spotlight – really coming to your team because it's not good spotlight it's bad spotlight why would you want that coming to your team and kind of causing a disruption in the locker room or on the ice when the guy is clearly saying that he wants to work on himself back in the ohl don't draft me i want to become a better person work on my character and just work on everything that i can to be a better person and the canadians go right out and completely disregard everything he said and draft him but I don't, he's not coming to training camp. So at this point, it's just a huge, huge waste of a draft pick, waste of time, waste, waste of both sides, both sides time. And it just, it's crazy that, that they just thought to themselves that it, it would still work out and that it would be a good draft pick. Yeah, sure. He's good at hockey, but the guy clearly has issues to work on and, and, I think he needs to go work on him. And I don't, I don't see why the Canadians drafted him 31st or any team drafted him at all at any position. And I think, I think the worst part of this is what they said, which is like, basically all the reason we took him was because we pretty much knew he was going to get taken in the second round. It was like, okay, so wait, we're going to make, we're going to not make fun. That's not the right word, but we're going to crush the Canadians all week for making this pick as we should. But we're just kind of kind of let go of the part where they said like, oh, he was going to get taken before we drafted again, which was 31 picks after or 32 picks after. That part to me was concerning um, as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, Logan Mayu did was not okay. It was a legitimate crime. Um, but he saw what was going to happen and said, look, I'll renounce myself from this draft and work on it and get it all cleared up. And the, the victim said she just wanted the heartfelt apology, which she didn't feel she had gotten. And it was like, it really felt like we were close to like, okay, this was terrible, but we've moved on. And now we just have to rehash the whole thing, start from the beginning. And I don't know, it, I, it really leaves a pit in my stomach that this kid got drafted at all. And I'm all for second chances. I, I, I would have been willing to see him get drafted in 2022. Uh, but when I saw his name come across the screen uh, in 2021, I was – I tweeted this out. I want to say it's unbelievable, but it's actually the most believable thing uh, that you could have ever told me was that somebody was going to take this kid. And I, I, I feel bad for her, obviously. Uh, this is not something – like she's never going to live this down. I feel bad for the female or any employee, honestly – but the female employees specifically are the Montreal Canadiens. How, how do you look at Mark Bergevin in the eye, who's tied up in the Blackhawks thing, by the way, as he was employed by the Blackhawks at that time, and now he's here drafting this guy. So how does a female employee even look at Mark Bergevin today? I don't know. Uh, it, it's really upsetting because I think that we had a path here to, to make it right, and the Canadiens, and honestly, every single team in the NHL uh, blew that up blew that up big time and uh i don't know i i don't understand why you would take him and then just not just say oh never mind like the the prime minister came out and said that we are terrible people so we're just gonna 
not have him play. Like that just shows that, you know, you were wrong and you're just very, very weak. My opinion. Yeah. They, they, they had to have known what was going to happen. And it is unfortunate because it's, it's the dominant story that everyone's talking about from the draft. We shouldn't be talking about this. We should be talking about the 31 other kids who were picked in the first round who, who fulfilled their lifelong dreams and who, who could have great NHL careers. But instead of, we have to talk about this unfortunate scenario and, uh, yeah, Mark Bergeron, the Canadians were also, as a team, linked to was maybe going to go for Tony D'Angelo. So, and we know the baggage that comes with him and the backlash that the Hurricanes have received for, for signing him. So, got to question the thought process on a couple of these recent, recent moves for the Canadians. But that'll about do it for this episode of Five on, on Three. There were some other moves, you know, Ryan Suter going to Dallas, Freddie Anderson going to Carolina, and there still are some, some big moves to be made out there. Brendan Saad apparently has some offers on the table he hasn't decided. Corey Perry, David Krejci. So, although this, yesterday was a very big day in the NHL, we are definitely not done. But we'll have the rest of that for you next week. For Chris Hennessy and Mike Messina, I'm Tyler Mooney, WFUD.